0: So thankful that you chose to download and listen to this podcast. I've been so blessed and as I'm coming closer to 7,000 downloads so far, I'm able to provide them free of charge. But today I want to ask you for a favor if you can. The way I reach people is by ranking in the search results on Google and on Apple iTunes. And if you can give me a rating, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, uh, and if you'd like to give me a rating or a review, I'll be so Thankful, and uh, it would help me reach a broader audience. And with that said, I want to thank you again and enjoy this message. God bless. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open with me to Mark chapter eight, verse twenty-seven? We're gonna read a quite lengthy passage until Mark nine thirteen. So um, I'll be reading from the ESV version. If you don't have a Bible, it should be on the screen here. Um, but I'd like you, if you can, to follow along with me as we read um, this passage. Now this is, a, 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 there's, there's a lot going on here, but it's all important. So just really pay attention. So Mark 8.27, if you're there, could you say I'm there"? Oh, there? Awesome. So that means that we have people following. Mark 8.27 says this, And Jesus went on with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi. And then the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them not to tell no one about it. 31. Um, Actually, Mark 9, 1. on the things of God, but on the things of men, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, "If any one would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me; for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. for what does profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul?" For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the son of man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with his holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until the kingdom of God after it has come in, pow- in his, with power. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, and no one on earth could bleach them, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses. And these were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, no longer um, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to tell anyone, what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, Why do scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things, and how it is written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt. But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it was written of him it is a, length, a lengthy passage but i think i wanted to give you some context of what's happening here you know when i was a kid if you remember the earliest memory of your life you most likely remember something in your house maybe because that, that house that you were born in or you were living in at that time that's how big your world was and the moment you were able to step outside you realized pretty quickly that actually the world your world is a bit bigger than that. It's not just your house, it's also the, you know, the courtyard and it, it's bigger. And when I started to ride my bike, I would actually remember I, I remember this one particular time where where I uh, rode my bike about 3 miles out and I was just sitting there I was like I've never been this far away from my house. I mean, this is big. I felt kind of like I was sort of, you know, I've I've arrived. I'm I'm an adult now. I'm three miles away from my house. And one time we drove to a city next to our uh, our place, and turns out that this city was a lot bigger than I expected. It turns out that their drive was longer than I expected, so my world just became just a bit bigger than that. But this there's this one time particularly where. I remember getting on the plane to come here at 16 years old. And as you take off, you start to realize the world is so much bigger than you expected. And you fly for hours. And, you, you know, we did the, the whole, like, one long day when you fly over the ocean. And I'm like, this is so much bigger. And then you, when you study astrology and all of these, um, astronomy rather than astrology, <laughs> big difference. <laughs> when you study astronomy, right, you start seeing how big the universe is, right? You start seeing, you know, how small the earth is and how small you feel in that moment. Well, that gives a little bit of perspective that a lot of times the perspective that we have, it's so limited to our experiences, right? To our knowledge. But there's so much more. And that's what's happening here in this chapter, You see, Jesus is walking with his disciples, and as he's walking, he's asking his disciples, who do you think, or who do people say that I am? And some people say, well, uh, some people say you're Elijah, and some people say that you are John the Baptist, and some people say you're just a prophet. It just kind of comes into the water of these people. And Jesus looks at his disciples and says, but who do you, who do you say that I am? And Peter has this, like, bold moment, right? You, you have those moments where you just want to declare it to everybody, like, he says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And it sounds so good, doesn't it? Until we read the next few verses. And then he began to tell them how the son of man must suffer and, uh, by many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. Whoa, what is all this Messiah talk all about? When you just told us, do you have to go and suffer? And you have to be killed. But what what, what about all that, you know, us reigning with you? Right, and he said to them plainly, and Peter took him aside. And Peter is like, I got to do something about this, you know. (laughs) I'm the one who declared that he's the Messiah, and we need to to have a talk, a private talk with Jesus here. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I mean, the audacity of rebuking the Son of God? Peter, I think you're way deeper than when... I mean, when you do these kind of things, I'm just kind of wondering, like, have you thought this through? It says that Peter took him aside. And like, Jesus, let's, let's have a talk here. Um... About uh, that, like dying, um, not okay to say it to everybody. What is that? And Peter took him aside and said, he began to rebuke him. By turning and seeing his disciple, he rebuked Peter. So Peter takes him aside and says, "No, what, what, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Dying and all that? What about the reigning? What about you being the Messiah? You being the Christ?" You know, like overtaking the Romans, all of that. And Jesus just sort of doesn't answer him, turns around to the audience or to the disciples, and he says this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, to us that makes sense because we understand that Jesus will be cru- crucified. To them, that doesn't really ring any bells because the crucifixion hasn't happened yet. And Jesus saying, look, if you're going to follow after me, the only context they had for crucifixion is for people who did something really horrible and they got executed. And Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, actually, you have to put to death your dreams, everything that you thought were your perspective, and really get a hold of God's perspective here. Right? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man return in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words and this adulterous sinful generation of him will the son of man also be ashamed. And when he comes into the glory of his Father and the holy angels. And Jesus makes this massive speech and says, Look, you cannot follow me thinking that you can live your life the same way. You have to die to your ideas What the Messiah. You see, they wanted a Messiah. They wanted a Christ who reigns. But they didn't want a Messiah who suffers. They wanted a Messiah who's in charge. Just kind of like the Republicans today, right? They want a Messiah that will reign politically in government, they don't want a Messiah that suffers because that means that we have to follow the same. They didn't, they didn't want that Messiah. But you see, without a suffering Messiah, you get no salvation. Without, a, without the cross, there is no glorification. So they want exaltation, they wanted glorification, but they didn't want to go through that humiliation process. And how many times we feel the same way? Now, of course, you know how when somebody says something to you or you say something to them, it's very sharp and it cuts to the core, right? There's going to be some tension, don't you think? There's going to be tension. Jesus just told Peter, back off Satan. Do you think that might cause some tension? Yeah, because you don't tell your best friends that kind of stuff. Like, oh yeah, like I love you and all, but right now Satan's speaking t- through you. So obviously that's causing a lot of uh, of tension here, right? Where they're like, wait a second, like we've I think we've misunderstood Jesus. You think? Because you're so focused on your ideas of what Christ should be. You're so focused on your, your, your dreams and your purposes. And God says, no, 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 no. My dreams, my purposes, everything that I'm about is so much higher than you could ever think about. You think you want to reign and be on the right or left hand of Jesus and to say that Jesus is in charge. And I know the guy who is famous and the guy who is in charge. You'd want to know Donald Trump. And, and God is saying, wait, wait a second. no. The whole purpose is not for you to, I am on a greater purpose, and that is to save humanity. But for that, you will, you will take the humiliation, the crucifixion, the death and resurrection of the Messiah, and they just aren't having it. And Jesus gives them a glimpse of hope. Verse 9, He said to them, truly, I say to you, actually, let's start with verse uh, 38 in chapter eight. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, will the son of man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with his holy angels. And Jesus makes it very clear that if you don't go with me through the humiliation process, through suffering, if you're ashamed of me here, I'm also going to be ashamed of you in my Father's presence when I come in my glory. And to them, this is very foreign. Like, wait, what do you you mean? And Jesus in verse uh, 1 of chapter 9 says this, and he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here, there are some standing here who will not taste death until the kingdom of God after it has come in its power. So Jesus maybe has a crowd maybe this big I'm not sure maybe smaller right and He says there are people in this crowd right now that you will not taste death meaning you gonna you're not gonna die until you see the glory of God coming back in its power right So a lot of atheists take this passion like see Jesus promised he's gonna come back within a lifetime of those people and he didn't Another uh, other people say that well Jesus came but but we don't really he came. Both of those things are wrong. Jesus says, there's, so there's going to be some people. Now we know in the next passages, we're going to know that there's going to be specifically three people. It says, you will not die until you're experiencing this, right? So obviously this is a big statement. Imagine if Jesus told you, hey, you're not going to die until you actually see this, until you see the glory of God. So how do we know that this is, how how do we know what the glory is? It tells us in the next passage, right? It says, after six days. Now, this account is written in all the three synoptic gospels, and, and all three of them, Matthew, Luke, and Mark. All three of them talk about the same exact thing that is about to happen here. It says, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and let them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. Now Matthew says, after six days, and Luke says, after about eight days. And you're like, wait a second, that, there seems to be a discrepancy here. You know, you have, uh, you have Matthew and Mark saying six days, and Luke says about eight days. Well, it's just what it is. These guys actually say the exact days, and Mark says about It's a general statement, about eight days. Now, it could be also the Mark is counting the day was spoken and the day that it happened, and that would make eight days. But there's no problem there. It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. This is the inner circle. And these are the people that Jesus meant when he said that some of you sitting here will see God's glory, right? He says, and he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant intensely white and no one on earth could bleach them and there appeared to them elijah and moses and they were talking with jesus so as they're on this mountain they kind of luke tells us that that they kind of fell asleep i think uh, luke and uh, matthew they kind of fell asleep and then then when they kind of look at jesus there's elijah and there's moses talking to jesus And they're baffled by this. They're like, whoa, this is amazing. This is something amazing that's happening here. Right? So you have Elijah and Moses. Now, the the theologians tell us that when you look at Elijah's life, it's all about prophecy. Like he was the, the, the guy who represented a lot of the prophets. If you look at Moses, he's the one who represents the law. And here you have the prophecies and the laws all joined together talking about Jesus. Now, if you are in this audience, and imagine like if you actually got the chance to go up the mountain, and you wanted to hear, uh, I mean, you, you wanted to kind of like be there, and then if you're in that presence, don't you want to know what they're talking about? I think you would want to know what they're talking about, right? Like I would want to know. And we know what they're talking about, because they tell us, right? Luke tells us that they were talking about Jesus' departure, where Jesus' the the actual word there is Exodus. Now, you remember Exodus, right? When we look at the Old Testament, we see that God kind of charges, or commissions rather, Moses, to bring the people out of slavery of Egypt into the promised land. This is a spiritual, but in most, most cases, more of a of a physical, actually they had to go from Egypt to the promised land. So God basically makes an exodus of his people from slavery and to a place of, of you know, like if Egypt was a place of, you know, never enough, he brings them to the desert where it's the place of kind of like just enough and then the whole goal was to go to a land of more than enough right, to, the, to the, the the land of promise, right? And here we have Elijah and Moses talking to Jesus, and they're talking about Jesus' departure. They're talking about Jesus' crucifixion, death, and resurrection. Now, Moses delivered his God's people from Egypt through the wilderness into the, the land of Canaan, and where now is Jerusalem, and they 're on this high mountain, and Jesus is accomplishing a different kind of exodus, not necessarily a physical one, but he's delivering he's the this was this what Moses has done is just a shadow of what Jesus will do at some point. He physically brought people out of Egypt into the promised land, but what happened next is what Jesus is doing he's delivering humanity from the enemy satan into a place of of trial and and you know sanctification and finally delivering us into the true promised land which is eternity with him so this is what they're talking about they're talking about you know this this amazing thing that jesus is about to do jesus is about to to you know, go to crucifixion and death and resurrection, Moses and, and Elijah are encouraging him. Now, if you remember in Exodus 33, there's a place where where Moses talks to God and says, God, you've told me to lead these people, but God, I really need to know who you are. If you're not with us, don't send us from up here. And God says, okay, well, how, how would you want to know that I'm here with you? And he says, okay, well, show me your glory. And God says, uh... I can't. If I did, you'd be dead. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to put you on the cleft of a rock, and I'll pass over you. And you won't be able to see my face, but you'll be able to see the back of me, the back of my glory. It says when Moses, when this happened, Moses came down from the mountain, and his face was radiating. This is this is from, from God's glory. This is not Moses radiating himself, Right? This is, he was in God's presence, and because of that, this is a glory that was radiating, but it was also fading. We spend a whole week praying. You see, when you spend God, time in God's presence, things happen, but also people realize that you have been in God's presence. By spending a week in prayer, you are a better, better husband. You are a better father. You're a better, better wife. You're a, you're a better friend and brother. If you spend in God's presence, the things that used to bother you, they won't bother you as much because you cover things in love. Right? There's going to be a certain radiance about you. And this is what Moses kind of looked forward to. And when he came down from the mountain, he had this radiance of God, of being God's presence. But this, this glory was fading. Now it's interesting that Moses is here in glory. You think that if Jesus was talking about his glory, it would be only Jesus. But these are two men, Elijah and Moses. These both of these people were men. And honestly, Moses didn't have exactly the greatest record. He he murdered someone. By this, I think God gives us a glimpse. This is not, God is not just you know, sharing his glory with him, with the Trinity, he's sharing his glory with other people too. A man like Moses, who was a murderer, a man who made a mistake and never stepped in the promised land, now is in God's presence. Wouldn't it be awesome to experience that? And he says that the God himself Cover them with this cloud. And if you remember this reference in the Exodus, the cloud would walk and God would speak from the cloud. It says the cloud covered them. Wait a second. If God's presence came over them, shouldn't James, John, and Peter be dead? See, this wasn't like a Moses situation here. They were also with Jesus. And that changes everything. They were extremely terrified. All three accounts write how they were extremely terrified. They, you know what account points to that? They actually fell to their faces. They were literally holding onto the ground. They were so terrified by, by this scene that they just have seen. And it says that Jesus' face was transfigured. Now, what's the difference between transformation and being transfigured? Transfigured has an element of glory. Right? He was transformed. He says that the, the the bleach on earth could never make his clothes as white as they were. He was radiating. And this is not a reflected glory like Moses. This is Jesus himself radiating the glory of God. He himself is God. He is radiating the glory. If you ever went to one of those, you know, musicals, right? Where if you went to any kind of theater, right? You walk in there and there's two big, you know, curtains, red or black, right? And they're just, and sometimes when you go there, you're like, this is it? This is what I paid for? No, no, this is not what you paid for. When those curtains start to open, people come out dancing and singing. And it's like, whoa, this is so much stake in, right? When we look at Jesus, his human body is about to be beaten and bloodied up. His human body is going to be, un- like Isaiah talked about, unrecognizable. Men will look unto Jesus and turn their face away from Jesus. And Jesus, before this all happens, wants his disciples to remember that this is not. The thing to remember, this is not what Jesus was only called for. There's a glory in Jesus. There is hidden away, just like the curtains in a theater, right? Hides the beauty that comes forth or bursts forth from that theater, from that musical, Same thing here. What we see in transfiguration is a a peeling of the curtain and the glory of God burst forward to the point where you're so overwhelmed. All the senses are just so overwhelmed to see the glory of Jesus. And what does Peter do? Peter. Peter just like, this is awesome. Uh, And he just sort of, he doesn't know it. Luke actually says this. He says, Peter just, didn't know what he was talking about. Peter goes up to Jesus. Says, Jesus, um, and, and Luke actually says this that as Elijah and Moses are departing, Jesus says, "Whoa, whoa!" I mean, Peter's like, "Whoa, whoa!" whoa wait a second. It's like one of those people, like, "Hey, we got to take a picture, guys. Like, this is a this is amazing, right?" He's like, "Wait, wait a second, Jesus. Like, we don't have to go. Like, we we can stay here. We can stay here. I can make a tent for Jesus, and I can make a tent for Elijah, and I can make a tent for." Moses, like, Jesus, we can, we can can we just hold this? This is, this is cool. This is, what I, this is what I was born for. Right? He wants to hold on to this, to this moment. But Jesus is on the way to the cross already. And it's interesting that Jesus didn't even say anything back to him. I wonder what kind of look did Jesus give to Peter? Like, really? And He says that the cloud covered them again. And as they were speaking, God says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. So Peter comes with his ideas. Peter comes with his ideas. And God says, "Uh -uh -uh, no, no, you're going to have to listen to him. You see, as human beings, we always do that. Every single time we see God's glory, we want to build a tabernacle. We want to build a tent. If you know that song the past year you play and it just it just feels right, we have to do that again because it just feels right. You know, like we want to hold on to these moments, and we build shrines, we build systems, we 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 change our liturgy to to make sure. But God is a creator of all things; He doesn't do things the same over and over again. What's so sad a lot of times about the church? Now, I am very careful in criticizing the body of Christ because. I gave my life for the body of Christ. I love the church. I love the bride of Christ. But it's so sad, is it, I see the same pattern over and over and over. If you look in history, you'll see this pattern over and over and over. People start following Jesus and they're passionate about Jesus, about being Jesus' presence. And then they that fades. And instead of them actually dumbling down and 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 looking for Jesus' face, they start to look for sort of temporary fixes oh we got to change our liturgy we got to change how many songs because last time we had three and and that worked so we should do three from now on we should change the way we preach and and this and you're constantly looking so so he starts with a passion for jesus and we the, the the way to apathy it goes to to oh we should focus on the service focus on the system And then he's like, well, but we need a bigger building. And then you focus on the buildings. And then you end up with a massive building with stained glass windows and no God's presence. Because Jesus made it very clear that comes a day that you will worship me in what? Spirit and in truth. Not in stained glass windows and cathedrals and tabernacle that you've built, Peter. This is not, you can't hold God's presence. You can't hold on to that because you think, of course, I'm being a bit harsh on Peter here. Definitely not even half the man he is. But anyway, (laughs) I'm just saying, like, he said things quickly. And I think he thought of him second, you know, ready, you know, shoot and then aim kind kind of person. And it says that Jesus just kind of didn't say anything. God says, listen to him. He is my beloved son. So here's what I want to tell you as we're going in 2021 that we all are getting distracted a lot of times by the things that are happening around us. And we think that Jesus came to give us a comfortable life. No, Jesus is in the bigger. He sees the bigger picture. He wants to save as many people as he can. Of course, a lot of times we have to engage ourselves in the day-to-day thing, but when those things take priority, that's, that's problematic. God's glory is to constantly be sought, but we can't bring God's glory into this church by focusing on the order of service and how many buildings. Now, of course, those things are important, and we should talk about them because imagine we didn't have a, uh, in any kind of organization to be chaotic here. But we understand that what we really search for is his face. What we want to see is being his what we want to be is being his presence. Right? If we are gonna take on God's vision for our lives, it bears no resemblance to what we think for our lives. You know, how many times do we say things like, you know what, I want to do things, great, great things for God? As if God can look at you and say, oh, I've never seen that before. No, you you join on what God is doing, on the bigger vision that's so much bigger than you. And I think a lot of us, all of us, I think, crave that. We want to be part of something bigger. But it's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? It's so easy to get distracted every single day by what's happening around us. And here's... To me, what's interesting about this whole transfiguration thing, what's the purpose of a Jesus? Because Peter still denied you at the cross. John still, I mean, he was there for a while, but then he still left you. Your disciples still deserted you, Jesus. Now, I understand that Jesus showed him as he spoke in, in Mark at the end of chapter um, eight, he talked about how some of you will see the glory of God. And God. Jesus wanted to encourage his disciples that, look, th- will you see the bloodiness, Will you're about to see the crucifixion, that's not all there is to the story, the suffering, the humiliation. You know, that's not all there is to the story. There's so much more behind the scenes that you don't see. When God pulls the curtains of time, when God pulls the, the curtains, out of that, His glory will bur- burst forth. So, so what's the purpose of it? You know why? What the purpose of it is? is? Second Peter tells us, actually. So Peter talks about this. Second Peter 1, 16 says this, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by majestic glory. I think he finally gets the point. By majestic glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. To which you will do well to pay attention as the lamp shining in the dark place and until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But man spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And he says, look, we're not just telling you stories and myths. We've witnessed this. We've seen his majestic glory and it has transformed us. It changed us. And you would do well to listen to what we have to say because this is not just something I'm saying. This is confirmed by the people who are there present. This is confirmed and this, if you take that into your heart, you will be encouraged. He puts it this way, that I love it so much. He says, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to you, uh, to which we, uh, you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in the dark place. As to a lamp shining in the dark place until the dawn, uh, the day dawn and the morning star rises in your hearts. says, so it's good for you to take heed to this. To listen to this, this will encourage you. Until in the, the, the reference here, the day dawns is this the, the second coming of Jesus when, when thing comes to when things come to fruition, right? And the morning star rises in, in your hearts. So you have the, so what he does is encourages us to hold in our hearts this hope of glory that we see in Christ. And this suffering that we encounter is not in vain. There is a process of humiliation, but this process of humiliation leads to exaltation and in sharing God's glory. Moses was despised and people made fun of him, but he ended up in God's glory. Elijah, I mean, if you, if you look at his life after the Super Bowl of, of spirituality, where he basically goes on the Mount of Carmel and he says, okay, if, if you serve Baal, which is a false God, and I serve the real God, there were some 450 prophets that were saying that Baal is God, and he is standing there by himself. And people are ridiculing him. And he puts two tests saying, okay, well, you're going to pray to your God and see who, whose offering will be lit on fire. And these guys get on their altar and they're cutting themselves. They're, they're very sincere, but nothing happens. And Elijah prays to God, and then there's fire comes down from heaven, and he has this amazing Super Bowl experience. But then the king's wife has a bone to pick, and she is mad. She says, the way you killed those prophets, because he went ahead and killed those prophets that were false, I'm going to do that to you. And Elijah gets really depressed. And uh, he just has all this pity for himself. The Lord comes and strengthens him and says, look, and he says, I love how he says it there where, where he says that they, you know, there was a great wind. First um, Kings nine, 19, nine and 18. says, then he came to a cave and lodged in and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord and the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant to throw down your altars and kill your prophets with the sword. And I, evenly I only, am left and seek my life to, uh, to take it away. So he's, he's literally suicidal. And he said, and God said to him, Go and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper, a small voice. Moses and Elijah were were despised and rejected. Jesus was rejected by men, And I think somehow we got this idea that if we follow Jesus, we're going to reign with him and be popular and everyone's going to like us. And I want to tell you this morning, that's not the case. In this life, you will encounter suffering. In this life, you will be, you know, ridiculed. You'll be made fun of. But lest we think that somehow Focusing on church services or buildings or liturgy or any other program is what brings God's glory. I want to tell you that what what brings God glory is hearts that are broken, that are seeking Him. Just like he tells, you know, David looks at God after he sinned with Bathsheba and says, God, I would bring you, you know, sacrifices and, and bowls, but I know that you don't delight in that. I know that the sacrifices of God is a broken heart and a, contra- uh, um, a broken spirit and a contrary heart. He says that I know, God, that you cannot reject someone coming to you and saying, Lord, I, I, I just really am in desperate need to see who you are. God, show me behind the curtain. Show me your glory like Moses prayed. When you get really, you know, hopeless, Like Elijah, understand that God is there to to, to hear you out, to encourage you. And a lot of times we expect thunder and wind and, and things big to happen and God comes to us in a small voice. We expect a lot of different things, but ultimately God does things on his own terms because he's accomplishing the very purposes that he's designed everything to do. So what are we to learn from this? That God has a way bigger purpose than we ever anticipated, we ever could see. And we don't know the whole story. We might get glimpses from time to time. And when Jesus is ridiculed, when you are ridiculed along with him, and you can't see past the cross and the bloody face, when you can't see any of that, or you can't see past that, rather, remember the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember there's something behind the curtains that you, you you haven't seen yet and you have yet to encounter. We are to do well to follow exactly what Jesus said. Have you ever looked through Jesus' teaching and said, okay, I need to live my life according to this. Just like Peter says, we are not, I'm not preaching this morning some myths and fables that I read online. Peter says, I witnessed this, and you would do well to listen to this. Listen to what Jesus is saying. Not what your party or, you know, the, 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 the organization you're part of. Listen to what Jesus is saying. Here's the ultimate point that I want to make this morning is this, that just as Moses delivered now fully, because Moses is a shadow and a type of who Christ is from Egypt to the promised land. Now, Moses didn't enter. Jesus is he he who Moses is pointing to. He will ultimately deliver us from a state of bondage to sin on the the oppression of the enemy. He's going to deliver us into His presence, into God's presence. And He gave us the Holy Spirit, which is the seal by which we know that we are His. I love how John puts it, the beloved John, right? Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. Isn't that encouraging? Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. That is the hope of the gospel, Amen. And for this time that we're here on earth, Second Corinthians three eighteen says this: "And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into His image, or to the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is Spirit." So we are holding unto this hope, as John talks about that. We will see him as he is, and we will be be, be like him. But while we're here on earth, with unveiled face, we are beholding his glory. How do you behold God's glory? By seeing what God's doing amongst us. You get encouraged when somebody that was addicted to drugs is, is led away from that lifestyle. We got encouraged this morning by your testimony. Right, that the fact that Jesus is at work amongst us and in us, as we behold His glory, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. My hope is that we would seek His face. Now, of course, all the other things that we do are important, but they should never take priority. We are to seek His face, understand that He's on a different, completely different purpose, that we don't, might not understand. We need to listen to him because he's the beloved of God himself. God himself gave us commandment, gave a, a commandment on the Mount of Transfiguration that you should listen to him because he is God's image here on earth. Just like Philip and Thomas, like Jesus, show us who God is. And Philip, Jesus looks at Philip and says, Philip, have we walked all this time and you haven't realized that I am the resemblance of the Father. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. My hope is that we would seek Jesus at all cost. when He's ridiculed, when He's exalted, in all things. So, would you stand with me this morning? I want to lead you into a prayer, and I'm going to have Pastor Yuri close. But I want to ask you this morning, if you maybe thought that Jesus is about your comfort, that maybe you thought that Jesus is about you not having any problems in life, that Jesus is about you reigning here on earth, can I just encourage you to come back, to bring that before the Lord and say, Lord, I've been led away by, by an idea of who I need to be. Lord, I want to get on the same purpose as you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and my hope is that this message inspired you to live in light of eternity. Please make sure to subscribe and it would mean so much to me if you could rate and review this podcast. If you have an event that you'd like me to speak at, I would love for you to reach out to me via my website. You can also support this ministry via Patreon or the website. Thank you again and God bless.